What's up, everybody? This is Kenzie from Daring to Cowboy on Instagram, and you're listening to the Stirrup Conversations podcast. As the equestrian industry continues to evolve, more questions are being raised and more focus is being placed on the welfare of our equine athletes. I'm sitting down to discuss this progression, celebrate our accomplishments, form a tighter community, and hear from people in the industry on how we can continue to better ourselves and our horses. Happy Sunday! I hope you've all had a really relaxing weekend, and I hope today is exactly what you need it to be. I am super excited to bring you guys this podcast that I did with Abby. Um, I don't want to say it's rare, but it, it is kind of rare to find people who are so like-minded Um, especially in the equestrian community. So super, super grateful to have been able to connect with her and to bring you guys this podcast. It was so much fun. I I had so much fun and I'm definitely, definitely excited to collab with her again. And I hope you guys love listening to it as much as I loved getting to be a part of the conversation. So it is going to be a little bit of a longer one. I will just put that out there. So get comfortable, get cozy, grab a snack, grab some tea, a drink, whatever. My favorite's chai tea. So if you want to channel some of that, um, but get comfy, get ready. I think this is going to be a conversation that you guys are going to love. So as always, if you are not already subscribed to the podcast, make sure that you hit that subscribe button and smash that notification bell so you never miss an episode. This year is going to be a good one. I have a lot planned for the podcast and I am really, really looking forward to the content that I'm going to be able to give you guys. So make sure you're subscribed and you get the notifications because I promise you, you are not going to want to miss this stuff. Um, And as always, if you would like to connect outside of the podcast, you can find me over on Instagram at DaringToCowboy. I just have to say we've grown pretty quickly recently. Um, I think probably two weeks ago, I was at like 600 and now we're pushing almost 800, which is crazy. Um, But I am excited and I think it's starting to hopefully gain some traction. I'm not expecting to get back to where, where I was, but it's cool that people are still interested in my horses and what I have to say. So thank you guys for all of your continued support with that. And then I also wanted to remind you guys that there is a new Instagram account for the podcast. You can find it at Stirrup Conversations Podcast. Super easy. And I will be posting regular updates over there as well. So another way to keep track of what's going on over here go ahead and give that a follow and let's connect. I also just wanted to put it out there. If there is a topic that you would like me to cover in the podcast, 
I do do weekly polls over on my Instagram, so if you want to go ahead and drop a suggestion there, or if you just want to go ahead and message me, totally fine too. If you would ever like to be a guest on the podcast to talk about your said subject, please reach out to me. This is a conversation I would love it to be able to continue to be a two-way like it has been. And without further ado, let's just hop into the podcast. That's so amazing. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. Hi. Thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. Um, Everybody, this is Abby. Abby, I guess this is everybody. Um, Hi, everybody. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. Um, So as stated, I'm Abby. Um, Can find me at trulyottv on Instagram. And uh, yeah. (laughs) So, um, you have two horses now, right? Yes, I have two. Um, Gizmo, my thoroughbred, and Remy, he's a quarter horse. Oh, they're so cute. Um, and you, so Gizmo you've had for a while, and then Remy, you, you said you leased, right? Yes, so I actually leased Remy for about nine months before... I bought Gizmo before he came into the picture. Um, so that's how I know of him and the opportunity kind of just presented itself recently um, for me to buy him. So we went ahead and did that and it's been, it's been great so far. I love that. That's so awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, we have a lot to cover. So I'm just gonna kind of like jump into the questions. Um, but um, let's start with what would you say like a new belief behavior or habit has most improved your life? I would say for me, um, developing my self-awareness. There's a quote I really like that goes, he who controls others may be powerful, but he who has mastered himself is mightier still. I really like that. Wow. Yeah, it's one of one of my favorite one of my favorite quotes, I think. Yeah, I I think um this whole like this whole process of kind of really like taking on the training for my horses, it's like made it abundantly clear that it's less about teaching them anything and more about like controlling me and (laughs) my body and what I'm sending out to them so I love that yeah I um I agree so much horses are mirrors right and I feel like that's something that we're all told or we all know just by working with them and with that I think they force you to they force self-awareness on you (laughs) otherwise it it doesn't really work if you're not willing to look inward when when working with them it it kind of becomes a thing of placing blame on the horse and the horse doesn't know why we're putting him in (laughs) the situation that we're putting him in so that's that's not really our responsibility you know yeah yeah for sure 
So how has a failure or let's just say an apparent failure set you up for later success? And do you have a favorite quote unquote failure of yours? Favorite failure. Um, I'll have to think on that one for a moment because there have been so many, uh, <laughs> I guess, quote failures in my life. Um, but setbacks are, are really important and I try not to see them so much as, um, as a setback. They're more to me stepping stones. It's hard to see them that way in the moment. And I, full transparency, I definitely don't see difficult situations in the moment as <laughs> forward momentum. Right. But um, looking back on them, they they definitely are. But I think um, more to the point to answer the question about a favorite failure of mine is I think um, in the beginning, buying, buying Gizmo was a really, uh, gosh, if, if this is even the right word, very ambitious of me to do. I was in no place in my riding and I didn't have the knowledge to take on such a pro project. So for a long while, it felt like I was only going backwards. Um, mm. And it took a long time to get the forward momentum going, but I had to relearn a lot of things and, and learn a lot of new things in order to, to make that happen. So while the whole thing was kind of a, a setback, so to speak, to, to begin with, I was setting myself up for failure and biting off more that I could chew. Um, but it's, it's turned out to be an adventure honestly it's it's been one of the most life-changing things for me yeah yeah okay so I feel like that kind of goes into what we were talking about on the road yesterday was changing the training tactics training the approach and I feel like we both kind of hit that point like I feel like we were kind of similar where we started versus where we are now um you were you were in more of like a unnatural horsemanship right that was something I'd or I mean I guess that that way of thinking is something yeah. that's just drilled into us from the beginning like you know you have to uh put the horse in their place you know they're lower than you on the totem pole this that and the other thing and uh, you know you after you're conditioned into that way of thinking it's really hard to get out of um yeah and it, it's just like a ego trip right like I'm better than you or I know better because I'm the human um and really I think any partnership in life you see that partner as as an equal as a team player and a lot of people or I don't want to say a lot of people because that's very general um but the culture within the community up until recently has been very much one of like having to dominate the horse which if you put that into any other relationship in your life if you're just 
dominating everybody and everything all the time like people start to resent you for it um yeah we consider that that, like abusive uh, right (laughs) like that would be an abusive relationship and it doesn't it doesn't uh, get you very far anywhere else so I don't know why um with horses being such emotional and intuitive creatures that it would get you very far with them either but of course that is not a conclusion that I came to early on in um in my riding career it's not a career but my riding career um which it's it's sad that we're conditioned to work with them that way yeah no I yeah it's I remember the the first trainer I ever had I was six and we started riding at the saddlebred barn and she was this like really rough lady she was super tiny um and all the all the saddlebreds were huge so she was just like this force of nature um she always had a cigarette in her mouth and she I'm the epitome of like bullying a horse into something that was her style so like that's what I grew from a six-year-old up until I was probably like 14 I trained under um and then I I did switch over to another trainer because I kind of got to the point where her knowledge kind of ran out which was kind of sad but um she just didn't really have anything else to offer and then I started getting into like I wouldn't call it like as far natural horsemanship as like I kind of got sucked into down here but I feel like it was kind of a hybrid and I feel like I've actually kind of like gone back to that hybrid state um but the people who got me so deep into the quote-unquote natural horsemanship they honestly were just as much bullying the horses as my first trainer they just had a lot of really good excuses to mask what they were doing I don't know if that makes sense but it was just like this constant use of being like oh we're doing this is natural this is this is what would happen in the herd right justify beating a horse back into a corner of a fence you know what I mean like I just sometimes I'm like mortified (laughs) at what I watch and like I didn't say anything that's awful I can't believe I just said that but it's the truth like it it is and these things have to be um have to be recognized in order to uh move on from them and that that goes back to the whole self-awareness thing right you have to be able to look at yourself and say what am I really doing here what am I accomplishing besides you know giving my horse a heart attack by yeah by doing some of these things but they just have a very fantastical romanticized way of of uh explaining their process and I think a lot of people get sucked into that because I I mean honestly on paper yeah I that would make sense if I didn't know any better 
yeah that would that would make sense and um I had similar experiences with trainers I was actually just watching a a old video gosh more than 10 years ago now of a lesson that I had and I was riding this uh pony that we that we had at the barn and he was known to be incredibly lazy which looking back on that you must wonder why was he that way but he was just incredibly lazy and I couldn't get him going and my trainer was literally yelling at me to beat him um with the crop to get get him going so what did I what did I do you know what I mean um and that didn't feel good at the time and you can you can hear it on the video um and these are really hard to say especially in such um a public setting but again um we have to be able to reflect on these things and and see uh what we can change and it's it's just really disheartening that these are the a lot of the things that that people are doing if you want your horse to respect you and trust you and follow you anywhere and and do anything for you you wouldn't do anything for somebody who scared you you know or you wouldn't you wouldn't do it willingly you would do it because you felt like you had no other choice and there is a place for boundaries with horses as there is with people you have to set firm boundaries with people and sometimes um it doesn't always look pretty and um but but there's you can still do it with love it doesn't have to be done uh you know so ego forward yeah yeah I I think it um I forget where I was reading it but I I was reading something the other day about how um I want to say maybe it was something from Brene Brown, but um, she was just saying how as females, like, because we are more emotionally inclined, that it's really hard for us to set boundaries without getting angry. And how when we can actually set boundaries from just a place of logic, but if we kind of put like that love onto it, then that's like a healthy boundary. Like we don't have to like make ourselves mad to feel like we're justified in setting boundaries. And I, I started thinking about that. And I think that was kind of, even though I didn't know that's what was going on at the time, like I was able to set boundaries with Rian that I wasn't able to set with other horses. And I was able to do it in a way that didn't feel like personal. And I didn't feel like I was attacking him. But then the more of the boundaries that were set and respected, like between the two of us, it's turned out like um, amazingly. Like there are things that I know that that's his boundary and I can push a little bit, but when he says no, like that's no, and we back off, but then he's so much more willing to give on other things like when that that mutual kind of um give and take is there and that was something that like I feel like in the nat 
quote unquote natural horsemanship world, like they kind of, actually, I don't want to say natural horsemanship world. Just what I was exposed to was a lot of like forcing the horses to be curious about things or making it seem like they were curious about things, but it was giving them orders to go check something out and then rewarding that. Whereas like, I don't have to do that with Rian. He just naturally wants to do stuff. And like, I don't know, it feels less forced than it used to. Right. Um, And Gizmo's very much the same way. He's naturally very curious. Um, If something catches his attention, he'll stop and look at it. But instead of, you know, bolting in the other direction, he is quicker to make the decision to go walk over to said thing and, you know, want to know what it is instead of running in the opposite direction. And he's always been that way. And it's his curiosity is something that I love about him. And I don't want to, I I don't want to lessen that in him at all, because why, why would you, why would you want to, you know? Um, Yeah. Why would you, why would you want to? He's so much more willing to step into uncertain situations just because he's allowed to get comfortable with it on his own. I don't think I've ever manhandled him into something, but I'm also a a big baby. So if he's like scared (laughs) of something, I'm super quick to just like get off and be like, okay, (laughs) let's go do something else. Like, I don't, you know, like, so it's, I'm just not I'm just not the bullying type of person like I don't want to get myself into a situation I can't get myself out of um yes yes point of no return so I'm I'm quicker to walk away myself so I think that's sometimes a bad thing um but you know not not the worst thing because I don't think and not to say I'm perfect but I don't think I would ever do wrong by him in the sense that I'm gonna like it just seems as though you're making in the traditional way of doing things, you're making yourself more scary than this, the scary thing. <laughs> it's just yes. like, why, 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 why? <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense at all. Yeah. Especially like we ask them to do so much. And then if we're what they're afraid of, then at no point in time are they ever going to switch into like their parasympathetic nervous system. They're never going to chill around us. Right. They're always going to be on edge because, wow, this person's, you know, crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. Gosh, it's like you would think the same thing if you were around like a loose cannon of a person. Like you just never know what to expect and them being prey animals uh, an unpredictable situation is life or death to them right um, so you don't <laughs> I don't know it just doesn't make any sense to make it worse and there is there are certain situations where yes you should work past things but I think there is a a better way of of doing it than people think um but again this is this is how change happens like this you know they'll never know they're doing 
they'll never know there's a better option if they're not they're not told you don't know until you know yeah yeah no and yeah it's it's one of those things like I if I hadn't been given other options I would still probably be exactly where I was at the beginning of all this like it's actually a terrifying thought but um let's I feel like this is good if you could have like a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it metaphorically speaking um and that message could get out to millions of people what would it say and why wow um loaded question because I feel like there are so many things (laughs) that people should know um let's see um I love another quote that I love because I'm such a quote fiend Um, (laughs) and quote, your perspective will become your prison or your passport. Such an important, um, such profound words really, I think, because, uh, and I also had a friend who told me once, you know, Abby, you suffer more in your mind than you do in reality and I thought about that for a second and I said you know what you're right and I think I've been on both sides of that quote um I've definitely been a prisoner in my mind and I've also had moments where I feel so liberated by it as well you can really do anything through thought and it's thoughts become words you know words become actions that sort of thing and it's what you say to yourself and what you have going on internally really dictates how you go about living yeah yeah wow I think that's, yeah, you're right on. Cause even like with, with the horses, like I, there's been times where like, I'm asking them to do something, but if I don't actually think they can do it, it doesn't happen. Right. I actually had a situation like that today on a very incredibly small scale. Um, I had a friend come out and ride with me. Uh, She rode Remy, I rode Gizmo. And just as we got out to the arena, the neighbors decided to have their lawn mowed, weed whacked. They were pouring concrete across the street. Like there was just like sensory overload. So I'm having like heart palpitations. Gizmo's taking a nap and I'm like, completely losing my mind and I had this moment where I said okay well I want to ride today um it's one of my few days in the week that I get to so I wanted to push through it and I said you know we can do this and I looked down at him sleeping and I was like no I can do this because <laughs> clearly you can and it's fine. Um, so I needed to kind of talk myself, um, talk myself into it and, you know, realize that 
if I'm feeling and putting this thought out into the universe that, oh my God, he's going to spook and we're going to die and he's going to take off and run into the road. And oh my God, like all these crazy thoughts are like going through my mind. If I think that, then what, what do I think is going to happen? You know? Yeah. So I just had to, I had to ground myself in that moment and say, well, you know, the likelihood of all of that happening is probably really slim. <laughs> so yeah. I should, I should just, I should just go for it. And it's true. In that moment, I was suffering more in my mind than I was <laughs> in reality. Very, very true. Very true. I had, I had a similar situation like that. Um, a couple weeks ago, I re so Rian obviously off the track, um, but he was in a home for a year before I got him. And that was where he was. Um, I hesitate to use the word starved because I don't necessarily think she meant to do that. I think that she was ill-prepared to have yeah. him. And I think she didn't act quick enough and it got out of control. And then he was in that situation. So I, I hesitate to say starved, but that was where his condition deteriorated. But before he, um, I guess maybe even during, but basically he ended up like being her little girl's horse. Like he was five years old and toting around a seven-year-old because he's oh just God. that way. Like he's precious and he's never done. I mean, never like, put a foot wrong has never at any point in time given me a reason to doubt that he's gonna take care of me but I had a really bad accident like three years ago that put me in the hospital with a fractured skull so like the anxiety has been there for the last three years and I was literally like I was getting on him and I was hyperventilating like I was so convinced that he was going to take off with me and I was going to die. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I, I had to sit there for a minute. Cause he's chill is like chills. all get out. Like nothing phases the boy. He's like always just very happy to just hang out. We are going to go on a trail ride. And I'm like, I'm having this conniption where I'm convinced you're going to kill me. And you're sitting there eating grass doing right. <laughs> nothing but being a gentleman and I'm sitting here picturing you killing me <laughs> right it's, it's ridiculous. I, wonder, I wonder where we get it from sometimes and and it's true our past experiences can really shape how how we go into new things or even everyday things I think and the craziest thing for me is I can get on any other horse in the world and, you know, not have a second thought about it, but, yes. but yes. with my own, it's different. And I've, there's, there is a lot of baggage, um, with gizmo because it wasn't always, you know, like sunshine and rainbows and like pretty trail rides and just, you know, living the life um we had a really turbulent start and um he, he he scared me he scared me I've had some some good um some good scary spills off of him and he's done some 
big scary things but and it's really hard to to see him as he is now just because of all of that like I um I used to never be able to ride him to the right and when I say that I don't mean like he just wouldn't go or he was stiff or sticky or something no if I tried to ride him to the right immediately he would bolt with me and one day he oh my gosh this is the first day my grandpa came out to the barn to watch me ride after I had gotten him so I was really excited and I had my dressage trainer at the time out with me we were just getting into our lesson so then she had me do a circle to the right and what do you know he took off towards a barbed wire fence but he didn't know it was a barbed wire fence because it was covered in uh like ivy and it looked like a part of the hill that we were going towards and I couldn't oh, stop no. him because we were in an alleyway and so I couldn't stop him couldn't turn him um so I was just I was sitting there and I was going with it and I was like this is really probably it like <laughs> the, the goodbye world uh, <laughs> like I don't know because I couldn't I had no breaks I again like there was nothing I could do and just at the very last second he turned I think he kind of maybe realized what was happening and turned um but that was just one of of many (laughs) many scary situations that I've gotten myself into with him so it's hard to reframe my thinking and truthfully in the last couple of years, he's been a really, really solid citizen. Um, Not everything has been perfect, but he hasn't given me much reason to distrust him in the way that I still sometimes do. Yeah. Well, we love, we love a good citizen of society. That's amazing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the best. I'm, I'm really excited. I feel like I definitely needed Rian before I got Jess um, just because I feel like Rian's finally kind of like worked me through not all the time obviously but for the most part I'm pretty good now Um, which if I would have gotten Jess even a year ago it wouldn't have been a good situation because my fear would have totally become her fear Um, so it it all works it all works out I I think we're given we're given the horses that we need at the right time. I absolutely, I absolutely agree with that a hundred percent. Like when I went to go try Gizmo, I took my friend with me. I rode him. Everything was good. Um, I set up to have him come home and on the drive home, I looked at my friend and I said, Uh, I'm terrified of that horse. He's going to kill me one day. Um, I felt so uncomfortable. I, I was mortified. I was so nervous the entire time, which nobody knew, but I was, and still there somewhere, somewhere within my person, (laughs) it just was like this, this is the one, this is the one that you need, regardless of any of those other overwhelming feelings. And I'm so glad that I dug deep and ran with that because if I didn't, I, well, I don't know. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So let me ask you this. How did you, how did you get into like the equine world? I think it's always been a part of me. I w- I came into this world with it, maybe from a past life or something, because since I can remember, I was saying, I want a horse. I want to ride a horse. Uh, you know, just that was every other word that, that came out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> so that's, I just inundated my family with that until they finally caved at like five or six years old and let me start riding. But I think um, a really big part of it was uh, I I grew up with my grandparents and before my grandparents lived in the U.S., they, they're from England. So my grandpa was a mounted police officer. Oh, that's while so they, cool. Yeah, while they lived there. Um, so super, super neat. But I grew up on all of his stories and they were just, I mean, always so wonderful. Something about my grandpa that I love so much is he's such a fantastic storyteller. (laughs) So every, every story that he tells um, is just so beautiful. I could see all of these moments that he would tell me about in my mind's eye. And I just like was in such I was in awe of that as a kid and I just thought wow like I want to be like that one day that's amazing and so I I grew up on that and my grandpa really fueled my love for horses and he saw me to every single lesson as a kid he was my biggest inspiration and my biggest advocate and I mean he never missed taking me to a lesson was never missed being at a show like he was just always there for all of that and to have like to share that with my favorite person on earth I think made it that much more gosh I don't even there's not even words for it but it I think (laughs) that's really how I got into it I just grew up on that and um, was lucky enough to have somebody in my life who shared the same passion so it just really kept me motivated and and uh and kept me going because it was it was hard as a as a kid I don't, I've never been you know disgustingly wealthy and um had I re- I was lucky to ride at nice facilities but I was the little barn fly with rubber boots and I didn't have my own horse or my own saddle and and the girls that I rode with always always picked on me for that but my grandpa was always there to remind me that I wasn't in it for those things I was in it because of my love for the horse so I'm he really pushed me through a lot of that adversity in that sense he literally sounds like the most precious person ever Oh my he, he is he is he's he's incredible everybody who meets him uh loves him he's really an awesome awesome person he's great I love that my my mom was that person for me she was like she I will say and to this day she like apologizes for it like nonstop. but she missed my first lesson because she was afraid that I was gonna fall off <laughs> <laughs> so she didn't go but 
from that point on, like once she knew that was where I was going, she has done everything with me, like everything, be it going to drop horses off at training. She got up at three o'clock in the morning to head to Kentucky with me to go get Rian. Like, I mean, she, she was that person for me. I definitely would have quit horses if not for her. So I think everybody needs that, that one person. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. Do you have any advice being as that's, you know, obviously you kind of saw the rougher side of it early on. Do you have any advice for people who are kind of dipping their toes or newly walking into the waters of the equestrian world? I think, um, maybe not something that I would have liked to know. Cause again, I was, um, a child, so I don't know, <laughs> uh, if I would have liked to have known this, but it's a, it's a rough crowd out there. It's a really, a really rough crowd. Uh, horse people are some of the most judgmental people. They'll scrutinize you for the smallest things. And it's to me now, like, obviously as an adult, it's, if I'm, if I'm doing right by my horse and not hurting my horse, what, what, why does, why does anything matter? Like, I still don't, I don't ride in the nicest tack. I don't actually own my own saddle or tack, really. I just use what is at, at the barn. I'm really fortunate in that aspect. And um, my barn family now is great. And there's no none of that energy floating around um but I would say to just be prepared for those kinds of people and understand that those opinions don't matter um they don't factor into anything it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks and I think too that that plays into the whole uh how people are so afraid to move away from tradition they take their trainer's word as the bible you know and are afraid to look outside of the box that that they're put in for fear of being told that that they're you know like a hippie or you know foolish or too soft and it's just you know if you're it's okay to it's okay to explore and it's okay to not do things by the book and it's honestly it's okay to not look the part too because that does not matter in the slightest it doesn't matter if you have an imported warm blood it doesn't you know matter if your horse is great or papered or if you have a really fancy tack setup or no tax setup at all you're just riding in a halter you're riding in your backyard like none of that stuff matters (laughs) none of it matters you should just do it because you love it not not for the whole like it's it's very equestrianism is so (laughs) showboaty and it yes it it doesn't matter (laughs) none of it matters so that would be my advice do right by the horse and do right by yourself and you will succeed as long as you do those things. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That, 
I always, uh, maybe not always, but towards the end of when I was boarding and I was, um, with the last trainer that I was with, um, after I left, they told people, they kind of made it out. Like I was crazy. (laughs) Like I was chasing something that wasn't going to happen. I was going to fall flat on my face. Basically I was going to ruin the horse. Um, and they, they told people that I left because I needed emotional support, whatever that means. Okay. Right. Right. And, and I think it came down to the fact that I started realizing that nothing they said really mattered unless it worked for us. And just because it worked for somebody else didn't mean that my horse was going to receive it the same way that another horse would because they're, they're individuals just like we are. Um, and when I started kind of taking everything that they said or training methods, and I kind of just started like laying it out before the horse and being like, is this okay? That was, I think that was kind of the, the end point of just, they were done with me, I guess. Um, but it taught me so, it taught me so much. And like, like you said, like, it doesn't actually matter what the people in the industry think about you. Like at the end of the day, if you're doing right by your horse, then that's literally you're doing better than 90% of people in the industry. Exactly. Cause, um, a lot of, you know, a lot of people at the top of the sport are not at the top of the sport for their horsemanship. (laughs) They're at the top of the sport because they are winning something, but what are, what are they really winning? You know what I mean? That's, that's kind of a, uh, I can't think of the word for it, but that's, you know, like, what are, what are they, yeah. what are they really winning when it comes down to it? Yeah, no, 100%. So what is, what is like, this might be hard, but if you can narrow it down to like one attribute that you value in others, what would that be? An attribute that I value in others um oh gosh such a tough question there's so many things um integrity integrity I think is something that I I I really value in and that that seems like a really obvious answer right like we all want to say that we value an, an honest person uh, but when it comes down to it, that's that's really hard, and that's within within horses and and outside of it because it, a lot of the time it seems like people are trying to be something for. Uh, oh gosh, I'm having such like brain fog moment, but they're they're trying to be some something for the wrong reasons. They're not doing something because it sits right in their soul. They're not doing things because it's what they really want to do. They're doing it because they think that's what's expected. Um, or to, to get a certain result out of something. So I, I 
value integrity in people. I think true integrity is hard to come by, um, especially, especially within this little sphere of the world again, because everybody is or not, I keep saying everybody, and I don't really mean everybody. So nobody come at me for like generalizing because <laughs> I'm not. Um, but a lot of what I see is people doing things to look a certain way, like, oh, look, my, my horse goes like this, or I just won this thing or, you know, whatever. And again, back to that, like keeping up with appearances is the last thing we should want to be doing because the horse does not know that they cannot conceive that they don't know that they're doing what we ask of them so we can get some satisfaction out of it the horse doesn't care if they win um I see a lot of people that say like their horses love love their jobs and I'm gonna be really frank and say do any of us really love our jobs no (laughs) do we we really (laughs) you know so I just I think that's a really strange uh really strange thought to put into their head because they they don't know they're not getting the same enjoyment out of jumping a clear round as we are you know they're just doing it because I don't know because they're they're told to do it, I, a horse wouldn't go, if you let a horse loose in an arena with jumps, he's not gonna go jump a horse. No. That's gonna be the last thing on that horse's mind. Horses like to eat and be horses. They don't, so I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to sum it up, horses should be horses. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love, I love that. I think we were talking about that earlier about like figuring out that balance of like, being authentic like truly authentic and then still kind of enjoying what we post yes Um, and I I think um I, I followed you on my old account right you did yes yes okay yeah yeah so I can't believe I I kind of had this like realization a couple weeks ago but I was like thinking about that because like it sucked (laughs) and like losing all of that really sucked but um I feel like I there'd been starting to be like a switch in my head and I had been starting to try to be like more authentic on there but that was definitely like a very carefully curated batch of snips and pieces of my life like it was definitely more like I, when I was, when I would post, I'd be like, oh, well, they would like this or like they liked this last time. So they'll like this this time. Like it was all just very, there were things I didn't say because I was afraid of like how I would be viewed on there. And I think that was kind of like the cool freeing thing about losing my account and then Instagram doing nothing. to help me get it back was yeah (laughs) I started over and there were not 10,000 people watching what I had to say and you know at first there were like 20 and I was like well screw this like I might as well just 
post what I want to post because I didn't get to do that last time and I still lost it. So right. um, <laughs> it's been really kind of like freeing to just post and like just kind of put it out there and then leave it. And I find I'm not like going back constantly to look at the comments or like check for validation. Like I'm just kind of like, here you go. <laughs> you either like it or you don't, but there's not that many of you. So it doesn't really matter. Right. So it doesn't hold as much weight. And I, gosh, I totally get that. And I, I did a similar thing. It was more um, intentional. I didn't get hacked and I didn't have 10,000 followers, but I did have an account previously that had around 5,000 followers, I think. And I was really caught up in, in the numbers game and everything was so like, that was all it, all it was about. And still, I like to like, I like a pretty feed. I like pretty pictures. That's just who I am. It's a form of artistic expression, if you will. Um, But I'm a lot more with a smaller following. I hate saying following because I'm not an influencer or famous person and I don't want to be, but it's the, the community that I have now, I have more real conversations with people Yes. And the people who interact, interact because they want to, <laughs> not, not because of any other, any other thing, not because it's attention grabby or, you know, anything like that. The people who I connect with are people that I feel I have genuine connections with. And that has been so much more fulfilling than, you know, having a post with like two 2000 plus likes on it now I get like 20 and it's like cool like you guys are all yeah. great like I love I love my little my little circle of people now it's it is a lot more liberating it is I agree with that yeah and like it's been really cool to I feel like bef- right before like I really kind of had this like well if we're actually going to be a community, then we need to be a community kind of realization. And I wanted to implement that, but I think, I think the vibe was already so oversaturated of like, I just wasn't actually being super authentic that it just didn't take the way that it's taken now. And like, I'm constantly having like, like connecting with you, connecting with a lot of other people who are like super like-minded that I think I've done that more on a smaller account than I ever did on the larger one. And it's like, now it's like, like a a little private group chat of just like-minded people. And I love it. Yeah. It's so much more, um, it's, it's intimate, it's genuine. Um, and again, just more fulfilling. It's not, um a why am I having such a hard time with words it's not like it doesn't feel so manufactured like the connections that you that you're making with people and that's what that's what this is about right like we want to have genuine connections with our horses as well um and having a real connection is is priceless you can you can 
put a price on you can put a price on things that are um like not real they're not tangible they don't matter they don't hold any weight those things you know are a dime a dozen basically and yeah um, really connecting to something is you don't there's there's really nothing like a real connection there's nothing like it 100 100 okay so let me ask you this what would you consider as one of your greatest achievements one of my greatest achievements um this is an easy one uh gizmo for sure um as i said before um it wasn't always the way that it is now um i had to work for this i had to work for what i have now i had to earn the partnership that I have with him. And I think that is a win on so many levels because it's not only changed the way that I go about horses, it has fundamentally changed who I am as a person. Um, I have more of a backbone. I was just such a quiet, passive, person in years past like I would just I mean honestly a doormat seriously like I would just let things happen to me and let people do and say anything and just you know deal with it later I would put it away for later and deal with it on my own time um whereas now I'm I'm quicker to advocate for myself um and it's it's also made me a better communicator it's, you know i can again advocate for myself better so i can communicate more about um what i'm thinking and what i'm feeling in the moment and not hold on to that only for me because i would leave a lot of situations and think well i didn't really want to do that or i wish i would have said this or you know and just feel really defeated by things and and it's also made me a better listener i i can connect with people now in a way that i couldn't before Um, i'm i'm more open to things and i think when you work with horses and you and we talk about this a lot um my trainer and I, who I'm so lucky to say she is one of the greatest friends I've ever had. She will be a friend for life. Um, but we talk about this all the time, how animal people and especially horse people are so um in tune with the energies that are around them because we have to be you can't mm-hmm. you can't talk to a horse you have to be able to watch them and read their body language and pick up on really subtle things and that carries over into people as well you can you can pick up body language and people easier you can spot the energy in a person from a mile away once you really hone into that Mm -hmm. so 
Uh, to say Gizmo is my greatest accomplishment would be an understatement. I'm incredibly proud of myself for making something out of pretty much nothing <laughs> and, um, you know, and making it a really beautiful thing. I'm, I'm so proud of, of what, what we have. And I'm not proud of a lot of things, but I'm very proud of that. And I'm not always so confident in it. I have bad days. Like today was one of them, but overall I am, I will forever be proud of myself for that. I love that. So, okay. So kind of like building on what you said. So definitely like interacting, working with the horses has changed the way that you interact or work with people. Absolutely. Um, as I said, you know, I was just kind of the, the passive person in the room, um, wouldn't go out of my way to speak to people or look at people or, or do anything that would make people see me. Mm. I just, I just wanted to go about my life and like be invisible essentially. And that can be really isolating. And I think that with the horses and this didn't, didn't so much matter in my years growing up because it was, it was so structured. I was like in lessons and I didn't have time on my own with the horses, but working um, with gizmos given, given me a lot of time to sit with things and, and work things out on my own. And I spend more time with him than I do with anybody else. And now I find that with that, you know, I, I don't avoid people anymore. I'll go out in public. And if I just happen to cross paths with somebody or, you know, make weird eye contact with somebody that you would just run away from mostly you're like, Hey, like, how are you? How's your day? You know, like I'll make small talk with people. And I was never a small talk person before, but I'm a lot more comfortable and, and, and confident. And my job is like in the service industry, I work in timeshare. So you, you have to be a people person, um, to deal with people all day long, obviously. And it's, yeah. it's made my job a lot easier because I can, again, read the energies of people a lot better and kind of set myself up for success in, in those moments and kind of get a feel for who I'm talking to and how to go about it from, from that place instead of being so standoffish and like wanting to shut down because it was just such a big, scary thing for me it sounds really silly to say because I'm a person so <laughs> it shouldn't be hard to be a person but no it was, it was before yeah I'm not even gonna lie I I have plans these next few weekends and stuff and I'm like that was social Kenzie that made those plans and now me today I'm not that person <laughs> <laughs> yeah I absolutely get that <laughs> yeah no yeah. it's I definitely I definitely spend more time with with Rian and Jess than 
than I think most people would would like but (laughs) they're just yeah (laughs) I agree my family says a lot of the same things like are you ever gonna spend time with us and not the horse uh probably no no No. (laughs) probably no (laughs) no (laughs) literally everything I do is for them and like that sounds that sounds really unhealthy but like I am in a better place now mentally like and it sounds so stupid because like I grew up with horses like there there's never been a time since I was six that we didn't have horses like my family had a full-blown farm we had like 14 horses at one point oh my god yeah yeah so like there's never been a time that I haven't had horses but the fact that like you know I now I I bought Viserion by myself but the fact that like I I bought them I handled all the travel like not my mom went with me but like I did I did everything you know and like there's just something about the fact that especially like that I've kind of taken that full responsibility for where we end up with training and stuff like that too I honestly my mental health has been better than it's been in years I mean it gives you a purpose right it gives you it it really lights a fire under you because uh, you know you have a living breathing thing that has no real way to see itself through the world other than you and that um it's yeah it's the sense of responsibility it gives you and I think there's a lot of pride in that too and not in not in a bad way but we take a lot of pride in our horses and I think to be able to do something so selflessly and with so much love it really it can empower you as a person because if you know everything in your life you're doing kind of just just for yourself it's that gets exhausting it gets exhausting to only pour into into you and yeah yeah for sure for sure okay so my favorite question I try to ask everybody this because I'm a huge reader but so you know obviously if you read do you have a book that has either like a favorite book or a book that has influenced things for you at all in terms of like life <laughs> no because I'm I like I like to read for to escape reality um, okay same same I don't have any serious answers for this question yeah I like to read to escape reality and go somewhere else <laughs> I think people who read probably like to do that I've never been one of those people who reads like the motivational or like self-help books and I think that's a very like um and I'm sure like it's good for some people but I think a lot of people buy those (laughs) buy those books just to be like hey look what I'm reading I'm yeah (laughs) self-improvement or whatever um and I don't want to know what I'm reading (laughs) I don't want you to know what I'm reading (laughs) that's exactly how I feel about it like the like reading is like my little secret where I just go away and um you know yeah it's a step away from 
from like real life you can just uh dive into it but in terms of things that like are like of uh value <laughs> to in life i like to read a lot of um like studies and articles um and things like that like i just and i'll read things that i know i'm gonna disagree with but yes. i like to, i like to get different perspectives and yes. really soak up as much information as i can whether it's useful or not i it really um broadens your outlook to see what other people are thinking about things and learning about things and going through and that sort of thing so i think uh, so, then more to the point of maybe like life things a book that i've really been wanting to read um but haven't bought yet is uh jeanette mccurdy's i'm glad my my mom died i've um, heard crazy things about that yes um the title is really wow like i remember when i first saw that i was like that what? Is, that is some deep deep stuff right there like really yeah. um so i think that could have some really good takeaways and i uh and again it goes back to like self-reflection and how like relationships impact other relationships we were talking about how our relationships with our horses um affect everything else around us and maybe how we treat them but how we treat others i think comes from i mean like childhood and how we were raised and and things like that and um i a lot of people store that stuff away and this is going way off topic i know um no. but a lot of people i think like put the deep dark stuff that they go through in childhood and and early adulthood they put it in a neat little box and don't want people to know about it because that'll change the perception of them so i think it was a, a really bold move to publish something like that and really shines a light on like people go through stuff you know and you yeah and you don't really know what what someone is going through or has gone through or is dealing with or what kind of baggage they're carrying with them um as they go through life and it, it's just an interesting thing to think about and i think i think that uh more people need to talk about those things but that would be an interesting read that's something that i've i've been wanting i've been wanting to get into so i'm that's definitely on my on my list next right now i'm reading game of thrones trying nice to read game of thrones i haven't watched it um because i'm the kind of person if something's mainstream i love to hate it <laughs> i <laughs> i still don't have tiktok um so <laughs> i and i don't i refuse to watch them people send them to me and i will delete the text so <laughs> Um, I'm just one of those people, but I'm trying to read it. Haven't gotten into it yet. It seems like a little bit of a slow starter. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's slow at first. Yeah. I tried to read, um, Fire and Blood, I think, or whatever, whatever House of the Dragon was based on. 
And I'm pretty good at getting through books quickly, but I was ready to cry trying to get through that one. That one was rough. Yeah, I think I bought um <laughs> I bought the first two books maybe a month ago and I'm on page 4 still nice. <laughs> of the first book. So I haven't <laughs> I haven't really like it hasn't captured me yet and I'm really like really wanting to sit myself down and just kind of tough it out and get through it cuz I hear a good things. So I want to read it, but <laughs> To answer the question, um, reading is a form of escapism for me. So I like yes. to, I like to get into get into a different, um, a different world sometimes. And even I think that type of reading can be really beneficial as well. Um, any mm-hmm. reading is. Um, but I've always I've always been a reader since I was a kid. Um, you know before. We would sit up on our phones all night. Um, I used to read until like four or five in the morning. My mom yes. would come pick me up for school and be like, what are you doing? I'd be like, I was reading, like, you're going to be mad at me for reading? <laughs> like, that. you can't, can't do that. Can't do that. But I, I love it. I love, I love reading. I think um, largely like what type of music a person listens to I think the type of books a person reads can really give you a lot of insight into who somebody is yes I was the same way as a kid my mom like I mean we were pretty much feral children as it was like I said like we had a farm so like right we were just outside literally all the time barefoot with the horses but like I read everything and everything and she didn't ground me from like technology or from the horses because she really couldn't ground me from the horses (laughs) um but she ground me for my books like she would literally pack up my books and take them (laughs) oh my gosh yeah that was that was how I was grounded is she'd take my books (laughs) I guess it's better than being grounded for you know like getting arrested or something yeah. or something crazy like off the wall but yeah but yeah. yeah that was the way like I was slacking she'd be like I'm gonna take your book you're like mm, never mind no thanks right right <laughs> um but yeah so articles and and studies and things like that are more of what I get into as far as like wanting to be inspired I guess more to the question um I I love like I said learning new ways to do something and if I try something and it doesn't work then it doesn't work I have done everything under the sun with gizmo he's been a guinea pig honestly like any new idea that I have or anything new that I come across I'm like okay let's try it and he just is like all right (laughs) whatever (laughs) Uh, what are we doing today you know what I mean so uh, he's he's been great for dealing with that but I love um I love finding new ways to do things even just just see how other people do things even if I think it's like crazy um it's interesting it's interesting yeah I think you learn a lot that way yeah it's it's better than just living in a box and taking one person's word for something so exactly exactly okay well (laughs) 
I feel like I've kept you forever. So let's wrap it up there. I do. I would love to dive into like the spiritual spirituality side of things with you, maybe in a different podcast. We definitely didn't like touch on that. Like I wanted to, um, but this was so much fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was great. And I totally, totally be down for another one. I think that's a, that's a beast all of its own. <laughs> it would need its own chunk of time for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Okay. Well, um, tell everyone your, um, socials one more time since either at the beginning of the podcast, just so they can go ahead and look now. Sure. So my handle on Instagram is truly OTTB. So that's T-R-U-L-Y-O-T-T-B. And that's, that's my social. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Make sure you go follow Abby Gizmo is literally stunning. Oh my goodness. He looks so cute in that English saddle tonight. <laughs> he, he tries. Don't let him hear you. <laughs> All right. Well, I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much again. And um, let's do this again soon. All righty. Thank you. Bye.